You're listening to Kapow, the pop culture podcast, comics, television, movies, and more. If it impacts fan culture, we have something to say about it. And now, your hosts, Michael, Jordan, Cliff, and Seth. He's going first. Five, <laughs> four, three, <laughs> two, one. Hi, I'm the, the one. Hi, I'm the illustrious Michael K. Easton. Two, I'm Jordan Lowe. Three, I'm Cliff Barnes. Ah, uh, I'm Seth. What a mess. We're back. That's how we do it. Everything's, everything's going smoothly. Cliff's microphone's plugged in this time. Helps. Helps yeah, the operation. The four amigos are back together. So yeah, sorry about those last few episodes if the audio was a little wonky. It's only been a year on Zoom. We're still <laughs> we're still ironing out the details on how this all works. Yeah, of course it would start with the episode, you know, where we're bragging about uh how you know, we're experienced and we we've, we've been on for a whole year using Zoom and how great it is and I completely mess up the audio. That's how it works. In a year of Zoom, we've put out what 714 episodes, I think. 715. About five or six a week. We hope you're mm, keeping up with counting. all of them. <laughs> about right. Uh, but we haven't talked comic books in a while. That's our we've we've yeah. had a kind of a blind spot to our first love. What this podcast really launched about the comic <laughs> book world. So we're going to rectify that tonight and talk comic books. How can you read this? There's no pictures. Well, some people use their imagination. Well, I must hurry back to my comic book store where I dispense the insults rather than absorb them. It happens all the time. Read a comic book, okay? <laughs> excited. He's kind of excited. I had... I've got quite a bit of news that's kind of uh, piled up here over the last few months, but we, we won't try not to belabor anything. But then Marvel decided to do a little trick this week, and that kind of became the top story on the internet, because... There hasn't been some huge industry-shaking headache retailers have had to deal with for almost a year, so we had to we had to fix that. Marvel is changing their distribution. The way DC left Diamond at the beginning of the pandemic, here we're 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 nearing. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel of the pandemic, and Marvel says, "Yeah, let's get out of here too." They are moving their distribution to Penguin Random House. An exclusive worldwide multi-year agreement. So what does this mean if you're just a comic fan or comic buyer? Not That's much. what I was gonna ask. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's not behind it's mostly behind the scenes stuff. So this sounds like a you problem, not a me problem. Yeah. It's an right. MP. You could have saved this for the end. This is definitely an MP, <laughs> not a what. <laughs> Yet. Yet. I'll leave it. I'll, there's some ominous things I will leave hanging. So how did Jordan hear about this? Well, Jordan opened his email <laughs> and had a, had a had a message from Steve Jeppy, the head of Diamond, that the subject line was Diamond continuing to supply Marvel Comics, trade paperbacks, and graphic novels. That had to make you feel good right there. And I paused a second and I thought, that's, that's weird. That's like getting an email, McDonald's still going to sell hamburgers. Right. Mm-hmm. You would think like, wait, what, what happened? <laughs> No matter what you, that one guy just ate, 
No matter what you may have heard, we're still going to do this. So I thought, oh, Golden no. Graham's still <laughs> doing it. <laughs> so I, I hadn't seen the announcement. I just saw the reaction to the announcement first thing. And I thought, oh, great. So the direct market, that is comic shops around the world. That is it's the specialty market that's been around for 30 years now of people who buy non-returnable items through Diamond, the comic distributors. They have been a monopoly. Wait a minute. These are not returnable? <laughs> yeah, which was the big distinction. <laughs> Newsstands, you could return them after a month, and you only got charged like you know, 30% of the cover price. Diamond came around and said, hey, if you buy these non-returnable, you can get 50% off the cover price. So that's the big difference hmm. between newsstands and direct market. Um. But starting October 1st, Marvel is going to Penguin Random House. So they, they said it was in order to, quote, create a sustainable, productive supply chain and enhanced infrastructure, which is kind of a slam toward Diamond, but they probably deserve that. So the biggest news out of all this was Diamond, You can st if you want to stay with Diamond, retailers can still purchase through Diamond. <coughs> but they're going to be buying from Penguin. So Diamond will buy their stuff wholesale from Penguin, and then you'll buy your stuff wholesale from Diamond, which they can't promise right now what the kind of discount will be or what the terms will be or how the shipping will all work, but we'll see. Now, but, I uh, saw someone was talking about the freight from Penguin that you want to be charged freight or there, there's some kind of... Yeah, most, most of like... Penguin, or so, there, there are a ton of distributors in the book market who ship to bookstores. There's a lot of competition. So most of those have free shipping. So when you, when, when a Barnes & Noble ordered a, you know, a truckload of books, it was, it was free to get them. Comics have never had free shipping. Diamond has ridiculous shipping costs. So yes, Penguin, it will be free shipping. So I, I wondered, are they going to charge more mm -hmm. you know is each book going to cost more to get free shipping but they released a an faq of like 50 questions here's here's you know at least right now and they said it's going to be the standard 50 discount with the free shipping so that's that's pretty neat that that could help ease a few headaches or people were maybe not wanting to go to it but so why what would make you want to stay with diamond versus penguin then well it's we're just kind of breaking things like the problem with DC I'm getting a box every week from them and paying shipping on it for just a handful of books. So then I would have to buy another little box from diamond for all the image and dark horse and all that stuff. So is it like, would I pay a little more just to get that one shipment just to do one order every month, just to have one set of, you know, paperwork and email and, and in, uh, invoices and stuff and my taxes, you know, is, is a little bit of inconvenience versus I don't, I don't know what the final charges will be, but I, I don't know. I haven't made up my mind yet, but it's nice. They're giving us time. Plus you, few... you have had such a great relationship with diamond. You, you really want to, <laughs> I'm, I'm, right. I'm making a joke. I would think that you'd be like, I'll take as many shipments as possible to not have to deal with them. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, well, the, they, they used to do the pie chart every month of what diamond sold, but mm -hmm. 
but they stopped in March of 2020 at right when DC left. They didn't. They're kind of breaking it up. But the last time they measured, Marvel and DC accounted for 67 percent of the total direct market in terms of retail sales. So that's two thirds of comic shop sales are Marvel and DC. So you take out Marvel, or you took out DC a year ago. You take out Marvel now. Can Diamond even survive with just a third? And right now, they're the only place to get all these other books. Everything else in the previous catalog from, you know, Image and, and, you know, Saga and The Walking Dead and Invincible and all these big marquee titles to the smallest of the small book. And are they all going to pick sides now like they did in the 90s? Is it, well, we're going to go with this distributor and we're going to go with them? I don't know. It's just, it's the first like the rock just got thrown in the pond and the rip the, the ripples will come for a while but i don't know we'll see i don't know how 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 does diamond not just give up i mean when dc and marvel both leave right I mean, isn't there a bunch of like smaller publishers too like signing an exclusive distribution agreements some places have like uh, i think scout comics was the first one that also went to lunar you can get all your dc comics and scout comics which you know if anyone here could name a scout comic i'd, I'd be impressed but mm. but they're you know they're not you know they put out several dog books man. a month and it's not dog man <laughs> sorry you said pie chart so i've been t- <laughs> thinking about dog man <laughs> that's like that uh, pavlov's dog man <laughs> <laughs> well. you smell pie you start yep, thinking about yep. dog man. uh so yeah i it, it it could be and if diamond just folded which they almost did they couldn't pay their bills at the beginning of the pandemic when all the ordering stopped coming in because they, they're like every comic shop. They live week to week. <laughs> whatever whatever sales you make, pay for the next week's shipment. So Diamond didn't have a whole lot of extra money to, to make it through. So they're not in the best shape, never have been. So I, I don't know. And, and with all these other places having exclusive contracts, I, it might be a whole lot of people renegotiating things or, or changing things up. And a lot of places are doing Kickstarters, they're doing direct mails. You know, I get emails from <clears throat> several publishers a month saying like, hey, do you want to order something this way? Like, I think people are kind of testing the water on that kind of stuff. But uh, Dan Buckley, who's president of Marvel, said, comics are the core of the Marvel Universe, and we are confident this new partnership will continue to grow and evolve this resilient industry. So that's kind of getting out in front of why does Disney hate comics? They just want to make movies and, and cartoons and lunchboxes. Like that they say now this isn't about destroying the comic industry, guys. <laughs> we we promise. <clears throat> uh, but the question I, I saw most online from fans on all the comment sections were why are retailers not as mad about this? Like when the DC news broke, comic shop owners lost their mind and were furious. And this people were like, oh, okay, I guess. So I can give you a, a couple reasons. One, we got months notice rather than days. Like when DC first broke, it's like you have 10 days to set up a new account and get all your orders in. I have till October wow. to figure out what's going on. So that that's a little bit easing into it. Uh, two, it's not an online competitor. The two distributors who popped up were both mail order comic shops that I had to order. I had to order through someone I'm in direct competition with. And three, they're giving you the choice to stay with Diamond. It may not be the best choice, but at least you know, DC gave you no choices. You go to this distributor or you don't buy DC Comics. So at least having the option 
if things don't work out, I can stick with Diamond or I can move on. That's that's better to me. So I don't know. I when DC did it, we we went through all these. What does this mean? Is this you know the, a move away from direct markets and comic shops to digital and bookstores? Is this the is this a the mainstreaming and and the 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 lessening of monthly comics in favor of a different format of comics and it was all kind of up in the air and this seems more concrete that yes <laughs> yes to all that stuff this is directly going to a bookstore distributor who is known for getting out you know graphic novels boxes full of graphic novels and have never done you know the monthly periodical comic before so uh, the, the world is changing and moving on <laughs> <laughs> we all got to adjust to it, whether we went there or not. And then Sounds you also scary. have, like, like you were saying with uh, DC Comics, they're increasing their prices on like the books. Like, most of them are going up to four ninety nine. Hmm. Yeah, they have definitely slowed their output and have raised the prices on several of several of the now, uh, monthlies. On on those, the four ninety nine are. Are they having like the backup stories in those, or are they just? Yeah, I can go ahead and move right on to that. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Did I jump the gun? No, no, I was done. I was done with that. So that's uh, you segued the gun. <laughs> Whatever that I pulled means. the trigger. <laughs> uh, so we just finished uh, Death Metal. We had talked about that that the series the uh, kind of a cosmic series that restarted the multiverse well unraveled it right so did you did you pick up the infinite frontier one shot yes yeah there was no comic i was so sure he was gonna buy <laughs> than, than this uh, this uh fake darwin cook thing <laughs> so it, January... it had the flavor it had the flavor on the cover i know it's all they needed that's what they put it on there for <laughs> So January and February, they did the Future State books. There were two-issue things. It was all these Generation 5, the 5G concept <laughs> that they didn't get around to doing, and they just kind of released it as two two months' worth of kind of Elseworld sort of stories. But then to the start of March, we got Infinite Frontier. They called it the next phase of the DC Universe. Death Metal presented the darkest threats of the multiverse, DC Future State revealed what may lie ahead. Now it's time to look into the infinite frontier of the current day DC universe. So this is basically setting up everything exists. Everything happened. All the past happened of the, from the Silver Age and the Golden Age and on. All the crises happened. Everything, all the Elseworlds, everything exists somewhere. It's all one giant uh, om omniverse is that what they call it? It's, it's more than a multiverse. Yes. It's an omniverse. So, well, there's more than just one omniverse as well. Evidently, mm. there better be. How how many do we need? <laughs> I I mean, basically, what it's saying is that everything is canon from beginning to end, so they can sell more DC books. And I I I like that. I don't like some something I read years ago to not count anymore. Or yeah. Not 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 matter no doubt. anymore. No doubt. Yeah, yeah. That well, if, I mean, if you remember, just when Disney bought Star Wars, and then you know threw out all yeah. the old uh, extended universe stuff, and and you know there were fans that 
lost their minds there for a while. So, uh, wait, are you saying Star Wars fans? Yeah, imagine not emotional. That. Imagine that. <laughs> All right. So a lot after this Infinite Frontier one shot set everything up was kind of the baseline. Um, a whole bunch of new books have started with new number ones and new jumping on points. And the, a lot of DC's books were twice a month. They were shipping every other week, $3.99 a piece, the big ones. So now that everything is back down to monthly, but they've raised them to $4.99. So you're technically saving money. But uh, so the big, big launch was Bendis. Brian Michael Bendis is off the Superman titles and moved on to Justice League with David Marquez. The guy he worked a lot with on uh, for uh, Miles Morales at Marvel. So the Justice League book is $4.99 monthly, but you get a backup story of Justice League Dark. So Justice League Dark, the the Constantine, Zatanna, Etrigan, all the, the mystic characters used to have their own book. Now they don't. They're just a backup story in Justice League. Uh, Superman and Action Comics, both $4.99. They have Tales of Metropolis backup stories in them. Uh, Wonder Woman, same thing, $4.99. You get Young Diana backup stories, the stories of her as a kid. And both Batman and Detective, you get a, there's a Damien backup story going on between each of those. So you're getting more, you're paying more, but you're getting more as well. Uh, fans have always been kind of torn on that, whether it's, you know, that I'm, some say I don't buy it for the backup story, that's wasted space, and others feel like it's a, a nice bonus. So. Just depending on what you're, what you're into. Well, right there, like I feel like they're they're shooting themselves in the foot. It, I think it would, because their backup stories are, like going with the main title. Where I think it would be better if they had the main story, like say Superman, but then have a backup story featuring a B, C, or B list character. Well, then that, then you should buy Batman Urban Legends. <laughs> All, all I'm just great of, with these segues, baby. All three of the trilogy or the Trinity get their own anthology series as well. So Urban Legends is a monthly that has backup stories with Grifter, with the Red Hood, uh, with the Birds of Prey, uh, Huntress, and all. You know, so it's going to have a rotating cast of like different stories every month. Why yeah. did they not name that Gotham Knights? Seriously, uh, that's yeah, that's kind of a famous tale. Uh, Superman well, well, got it, it, it. Just half, like to me, I'm I'm instantly thinking like, well, if the stories are good, people probably aren't going to pay or aren't going to complain nearly as much in about the backup stories and paying more for it. But if it's just you know stuff nobody cares about and nobody wants to read, then of course people are going to complain about it. So, And the Urban Legends is seven ninety nine an issue. It's like one of those 48-page, like, square-bound. Wow. So, yeah, if you're only wanting to read a grifter story, right. you know, eight pages in this anthology for seven ninety nine is not, yeah. not quite... Who the, the hell wants to read a grifter story? I mean, <laughs> come it was, on. It's, it's been pretty good. That, uh, Matthew Rosenberg, a writer I really like, has been doing grifter. It is, it's been... All right. He's like a bounty hunter, a uh, well, private and then uh, security. That other book that they had, was it Generations Forged or Shattered or... Yeah, that was two two one shots, if that's an oxymoron. It was, it was two two single issues. 
I think it was dollars. It was more of that stuff that was kind of uh, cutting room floor from the five G stuff. A lot of the you know, characters throughout time and different eras kind of coming together. But yeah, Super uh, Superman's getting the red and blue anthology. Uh, that one ended up just that being actually, of course, I, I, I'm gonna say looked kind of good. It has some decent stuff. It's just the first issues out so far. And then Wonder Woman's getting sensational Wonder Woman. Again, just another one rotating creators every issue. So you, you, they're, they have really cut their line down, but they're focusing on <laughs> just the heavy hitters at the moment, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've launched a whole bunch of new number ones and jumping on point. Joker has his, his, his own solo book for the first time since the 70s. Um, he's... After this Joker War thing, he's the most wanted man in the world, and uh, Gordon, Commissioner Gordon, can't retire until he finally puts the Joker to bed. So it's it's basically a a detective story of Jim Gordon trying to track down the Joker around the world with a punchline is, backup story. Is is he trying to find his uh, family in Tibet or wherever? Batman has him locked away. Who Joker? Yeah. Oh, hmm. that's not. That's not canon anymore. That's the only oh, thing. Oh, I'm not sorry. Canon. Everything else exists except that. That's the one. How thing. dare I think of something that was like previously done? Right. Uh, Harley Quinn just rebooted. Suicide Squad number one started over, making Peacemaker the field leader. So prepping for the movie to get people like, hey, do you want to learn who Peacemaker is? You can and, learn. and the the show too. He's going to have his own. Uh, it's an HBO. Oh. Uh, yeah, James James Gunn's doing it too. Mm-hmm. Or at least he's he writ he he's, wrote it or something. I don't know if he's. I think he's the producer. Okay. Uh, there's a Swamp Thing ten issue series about the uh, starring the new version of Swamp Thing as uh, a, a young man from India. Crime Syndicate six issue miniseries bringing the that Evil Justice League from Earth three. Teen Titans Academy which has the original new Teen Titans coming back to teach a bunch of younger kids. So DC's a lot, you know, if you're interested in any of that stuff, it's a, it, you know, March is a good jumping on point as March comes to an end, but a whole bunch of new stuff started there from DC. Now that, that Teen Titans is supposed to be a hot ticket item because they're introducing, what is it? Red X from the cartoon. Yeah. Red X. They haven't revealed who's under the mask yet. So people dun, are trying dun, to figure dun. out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything else? You got through all your pages? Wow. No, I'm just taking a I'm pausing. Oh. Is oh. anyone else? <laughs> well, one? I did no, see I, something. I have, no, I have no DC interest enough to comment. Well, I was, I was reading, unfortunately, an article through Bleeding Cool about a new Superman book that was going to be Superman and the Authority that was he was going to be the team leader, which I'm very upset about. You're upset. So upset that it didn't happen. No, it's, it's a book that they're working on right now. There is no reason why Superman should have anything to do with the authority in the first place. But I I was wondering, I was wondering where you were getting a version of, wouldn't you hate a version of Superman? That's all dark (laughs) and angry. It'd be epic. (laughs) 
it would be snyderific but that's a that's <laughs> another podcast stay tuned true believer we'll talk to snyder cut <laughs> later so what's uh what are you selling are you making a million selling these digital files have you jumped on that bandwagon yet oh the the non-fungible tokens the nfts you mean <laughs> Yes, yes, you're right. It's, it's do you actually know what the stuff? Do you have you? Do you know what this stuff is? Yes, I have researched stupid. the hell out of it. Well, I know oh, it's, I, it's pretty stupid, but I, I, as soon as I saw dollar signs, I was like, I'm all over this. Now, Seth, would I? I mentioned something to you when that when the first thing came. Uh, the guy made a million dollars or whatever selling, basically selling a JPEG. And I remember I said. How is how is this not a Michael K. Easton scheme? Like this sounds exactly like something he would have heard about on the dark web. Yeah. And be like, you know what we should do and have a great idea. Yeah. And somehow it not work out and everyone else makes a million dollars and he <laughs> right. yeah. and he gets Well that's exactly. about to happen. It really is. So, so what, what made what made it make news is that Christie's auction house just had a huge sale of its, its first purely digital artwork. Mm-hmm. So you, may, you may have seen news about this. It was a collage. Well, wait five... a minute. You know that Michael's head's turning and he's going to have Christie's auction house <laughs> <laughs> in Vienna. <laughs> You've got room in the new house, I think. Put a shingle out. <laughs> Christie, put on your sexy voice. We've got stuff to sell. My auctions are so pro. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest callback of all time. Oh, damn. Uh, you have to be on this show to get that one. <laughs> all right. So this auction, it, it made news new sites a, a lot of them, I saw. Um, but it was a digital collage of 5,000 images. And it was it was just digital. It was a fi- a computer file. And it sold for $69 million. Yeah. Nice. Now, from what I understand, that image he had comp- comprised <laughs> of one image every day for like seven years or something to make this mosaic yeah, digital I, painting. It, it, but I, yeah. But that's Copy, crazy. paste. But, so it's, it has something to do with blockchain. Yes, and NFT. It's a, there's a way to prove you have the original. Big whoop. Yes. You Basically, could, you what... can make infinite numbers of copies, but you, you know the person who has the original is paying millions of dollars for that privilege. What if the, the original is in my brain when it did it? It ha, not wasn't even recorded to tape or whatever. It's just I saw it when it was created. Well, when it happened. So, whenever you want me to riff. Let me know. Oh, riff I'm... it up. Riff it. <laughs> Did you have anything I, reached, more about it, Jordan? I have the extent of what I know. <laughs> what I know. Okay. Well, here's the problem from from an artist standpoint is with you being a digital artist, there is no way to sell your original. Just like a lot of comic book artists that have transitioned from working on you know physical paper over just like how I work on my iPad exclusive on my comic book pages. There's no way to sell that original. What this does is this creates a token that it's it's almost like a very long encrypted code that is associated with that piece of art. That there is no way to change it. There's no way to break it. Like once you purchase that, you're assigning this image with that token. So therefore, 
It's just like buying a physical piece of art. So no, it's not. Well, <laughs> I mean, I don't. I, under, I understand yeah. the mentality of it, but it's all bullshit. It is it's, bullshit. It's a new and digital get, frontier, and I, I I get it too, but not at that price. You know, if if it's a oh, know, it's, way, because that's artists have always supplemented their income selling originals, right? Yeah, and yeah, that does suck. You can't do it anymore. But yeah, you know, an original piece of art's not going for these millions of dollars. So why? It's just the the novelty of it, I'm sure. But I mean, that's the same thing. Is because you're converting when you're going to purchase these NFTs, you're converting U.S. dollars over to Ethereum, which is like the cryptocurrency. And One famous scare. Well, the steps you have to go, like you have to have a digital wallet. I mean, it's it's slightly complicated on how you're oh like, going God. through it's these trading, steps. It's trading fake money for fake art. Yes, yeah. but it's the it's the same thing with the Ethereum is like the trading rate, just like how the the rate of the dollar. I play goes guitar up and down. in Second Life. <laughs> I knew this wasn't going to go well. <laughs> no, go on. But I was super excited about it. But I mean, it's the same thing of <laughs> oh, they're paying. We predicted this. Yes. But just like how the dollar rate, you know, goes up and down over the global currency is they're paying this much for, say, this digital painting for $69 million. Nice. That's at the current trading rate equals to whatever the Ethereum amount is. What's the ratio like, between Shroot Bucks and Stanley Nichols? River dollars? On, River a, dollars. on a turn, well, I guess. As an example, think of Bitcoin. <laughs> oh, God, I'm so, I so want to be serious at this moment. But think about Bitcoin when it first started developing and trading of how cheap it was. Yeah. And then how expensive it is now. Like, I mean, anyone that was originally investing in bitcoin i mean they're millionaires now because of the the exchange rate right we that's what we have professional athletes requesting to be paid in bitcoin now so that's yeah, the could, logic they could buy a jpeg they've got enough money to, <laughs> to buy a jpeg but i mean that's that's the logic behind it is because they're they're spending this on it it's almost like it's being a placeholder for the money that they spent on it so that later on they can convert it to U.S. dollars at a higher rate. That's really no different than actual art. Like what makes a painting yeah. in a gallery worth millions of dollars? Just that people want it. It's a status symbol. You know, it's all the supply yeah, and it's, demand it's, of it's just yeah. made up in the air. But the reason that's getting tangible, the... it's tangible. True, true. That's the thing. It's like, I mean, it. I don't think it's just a... Oh, I like physical media compared to digital or, you know, it's, this is like art and it is intangible art. Like, I don't, it's like, but it, if you go for your logic, Seth, with not necessarily you, but you play video games, people spend money on skins to enhance their character to, I mean, there's a million different ways they can make these microtransactions to advance their character there's people that have, like in, uh, what is it, World of Warcraft? Like you've seen stories of where they've like spent millions, or well, not millions, but a large amount of money for a character that's 99th level. It's, I mean, it's just, along the same concept. 
It's video, just that we're moving into a digital era. Video versus, games as a whole are being sold as digital copies way more than they're being sold the physical copies anymore, where you go into the store yeah, but, and you pick it up. But you're doing something, you're online, you're digitally doing something, you're using mm-hmm. it. What are, I'm getting a code and a, it do, it's no different. It doesn't feel any different than what anyone else would look look at at that piece of art. And what you just keep it on your phone? You, you don't yeah, look it out. what I bought. And somebody <laughs> with their phone goes, Me yeah. too. I have that too. It's exactly <laughs> but, that. I mean, think of but, people that have these original pieces of art that other people have copies hanging in their room as print. Hey, they got right. digital I mean, frames It's really now. the same thing. <laughs> I just put it on my TV now. Anyway, <laughs> what I was getting to is what made me think of it think of where I would go with it is this would open an opportunity for me to sell my original pages of like what I'm working on right now on Insect Kid for so pro comics. Like I could upload that file that has the original artwork and attach this token to it, making it original. No one else could own that and be able to sell it. And you can do it. You can set a certain price. Or you can do it auction style. Like right now, one Ethereum equals sixteen hundred and some dollars. That's all I can hear now. You, you had to say Eternia. Every time he says it, that's what I think of now. I'm almost one hundred percent positive I'm saying that correctly. I, that I believe you. I get it. It's just something I can't comprehend because something I would never do. I would never purchase that. Right. And I, we, I get how it can be. It's going to be in in five or ten years. It will seem so normal. Uh, I get that, but it's not something I would ever. What would I? What possible use would I have that? Yeah. It, like you're saying, it can be used as a placeholder for money. It's you know you're just investing in something that yeah. you like. You know, and it, but it's just, it's still just digitally there. It's not a tangible thing to me that I can hang on my wall and mm-hmm. as an original piece of something, you know. And that's so, like a, another thing that's becoming very popular with it is like doing trading card sets, like just doing very, like, there's hmm. 24 original of series one and you get the very first one. Oh, it'll that's, you know, that's like you know, baseball cards thing. and stuff. Would yeah. come, you know, they they would run a sheet of them, and this is the first sheet, the uncut yeah. sheet of cards, and they were. Oh, I remember those. Ones. Yes, I do. I do. But, yeah. So the way this ties into the comics we were talking about is because uh, DC managed to <laughs> stick their foot in their mouth again. Go go figure. So these these are becoming like collectibles for fans, and Marvel started a thing that I'd never heard about until I looked into it. They've already started launching, you know, Spider-Man themed NFTs, and you know, getting Adam Kubert to you know do fa- do you know uh, art specifically for this, and they sold for like you know twenty five thousand dollars a couple months ago. The, the officially licensed. So then, tons of fan artists are coming out and doing it, and what really made headlines: eighty uh, seven year old Jose Delbo was an artist on Wonder Woman between 1976 and 1981. So this Bronze Age artist, I'm sure is retired now, auctioned off 900 different Wonder Woman 
NFTs and made $1.85 million just selling animated GIFs and JPEGs of Wonder Woman that he did. Uh, the most expensive single one was $136,000. So DC, I'm sure, hears about this, and they put out statements saying, we're examining the complexities of the NFT marketplace, and we'll work on a reasonable and fair solution. To, you know, so basically saying, don't use our characters unless we, you know, which is a fair thing to do. But this takes that age-old artist alley argument. You know, who, who you know, can you profit off these famous characters someone else owns by selling copies of them. And when it gets into the millions of dollars, apparently you can't. So artists were not happy with DC telling people they can't use their characters. And it just sort of let off a firestorm of artists tweeting angrily. Wow. That's crazy. Well, I mean, that's the other thing is like, you're talking about crazy amounts of money. Like, I mean, just like, you know, Jordan and I working on a comic book for umpteen hours that's going to sell for $4.99 and you have this one single image that you can sell for $1,000, which makes more sense. So, yeah, it's something I don't really understand and I can't I can't really wrap my head around, but it's, like you said, it, a few years from now, it's going to be much more out there and much, much more uh, commonplace. Trust me, I just figured it out today. <laughs> Ethereum, so that so was pro. the planet she will, Shira was on, right? Not Eternia. <laughs> he even was on the Eternia. Etheria was Shira. Okay. <laughs> so let's let's sell some Shira JPEGs <laughs> and go to SoProComics.com to check out all our work. Hey, there was a there was a cool auction I heard about a little while back from an unpublished Alan Moore Gen 13 script from Ooh. 1997. So he was in the middle of working on this script and faxed pages in to Scott Dunbar, who was the editor-in-chief of Wildstorm at the time. And it's the only existing copy, these faxed pages he printed out. And uh, he, he found them in some of his paperwork and got Alan's permission and they auctioned them off to help pay the medical bills. Uh, Bob Wyacek, who was an, a longtime anchor for Marvel, did a lot of Star Wars and X-Men books. So he, he was uh, in the hospital and had medical bills. So there was a GoFundMe. So they sold they sold this uh, unearthed script. And uh, the person who won it was Brian K. Vaughn. Hmm. He bid $3,433. So then he put out a, a statement and said, guess which aging fanboy used some of his ill-gotten Hollywood blood money to acquire this important piece of comics history. So he, he donated to the charity and then he scanned them all in. And if you donated to the GoFundMe, you could get access to it. So he would send you, he'd send you this JPEG and you get the first one it's worth a million dollars. No, but so <laughs> any a donation of any amount, he sent you the thing and you could read it. So I hope it those was, hospitals uh, take a, a theria. <laughs> <laughs> right right in your veins. It'll just go yeah. in with all the other imaginary stuff. Yeah. Where do you get the next one? <laughs> <laughs> so it was like it was a parody of the what was hot at the time, like the X-Men and the what was going on in the current industry. It was called The Coming of the Collector. 
So with Alan Moore kind of bashing on fanboys a little bit. So uh-huh. I'm, I'm not. There he goes. <laughs> Goodbye. He just Goodbye, laughed. Man. He sat down and laughed. <laughs> to Etheria! <laughs> he just sold his uh, his digital code. Just He's sold. Done. We can't look at him anymore without paying. Free Etheria from the evil forces of Horda! And Mark. So Marvel's, speaking of 1996, Marvel's yeah. next big event, Heroes Reborn. Jesus. Who remembers that fun stuff? I do. It is the 25th anniversary of Heroes Reborn. You know, I never read that. I've never read any of that. So this I have a when... few issues of the of a couple of the different series from that year, but right when I got back into into comics... What, what basically those were the couple years I left 95 when it all the ass fell out and then mm. and then that happened and but Heroes Return is where I came out. So this was the big because the industry was floundering. So Marvel got Jim Lee, Rob <clears> Liefeld, <throat> and some of the people who left for Image to come back and they took over Captain America, Iron Man, Thor. Fantastic Four, you know, some anything that wasn't X Men basically, and let them do whatever they wanted with them to try to, you know, modern them up like mm-hmm. the other hot '90s books. So that was 25 years ago, but we're we're coming back to it now. Seemingly in name only, it doesn't seem to have anything to do with the original. But uh, Jason Aaron, the writer, and Ed McGinnis, the artist, are doing this mini series. Um. The tagline was, whatever happened to Earth's Mightiest Heroes? So the idea is, Blade, Vampire Hunter, wakes up in a world where no one's ever heard of the Avengers. So Blade is the only one who remembers the previous time. So the idea is, how would the Marvel Universe, what would happen to the Marvel Universe if there were no Avengers? You know, Tony never got injured, Captain America's still in the ice, Thor never lifted the hammer, so... Other people fill in to take their place. It has a lot to do with the Squadron Supreme. There's Ooh, a, there's I have a that more, on me. Yeah, there's a more brutal version who you know take care squadron of. Squadron Sin- Well, there was a Squadron Sinister, right? Uh, yeah, we'll have to follow up to all that stuff. Yep. But yeah. So a little more. Uh, uh, we call it Elseworld sort of deal, right, right. but they're also promoting it. Uh, comic stores are getting a free 10-pack of trading cards to give mm-hmm. away. So I'm going to do anybody who buys the first issue gets a <laughs> you get a pack of trading cards. Because yeah. those are getting hot, too. If if you can buy fake uh, you can buy fake art, you know, the, those Marvel trading cards, if you have some of those original ones, you gave me that. You gave me, that, gave me that Game Trade magazine that came with a pack of cards, and I threw it to over to Nick. He... Few minutes later, he's like, "Well, the rarest card in there was only worth nine cents." I was like, "That's." I was like, "Well, I didn't know you were going to try to make money off of." It. Mm-hmm. Cards, speaking have, of cards, speaking have become of non-fungible. Like, yeah, yeah, the cards have really made a comeback. I, I've been seeing them kind of everywhere. Those old, uh, you know, like non-sports cards, those old Marvel cards and Star Wars. Marvel Masterworks and... w- was a thing, and they're. 
early nineties. I remember collecting those, that series that were really great looking cards. I forget mm-hmm. who different artists, but, uh, it, those they, have gone up they, in price too. Yeah. Those are, I remember collecting all those. It was all about the chase though. Once I had them all, I just sold them to Alonzo. Yeah, but for the for the last twenty years, they weren't worth they weren't worth right. the space they're taking up in your closet. But all right. of a sudden, it's got some, especially like whatever the first series was, like the Fleer or whatever it was, because those are people are oh that's the first appearance of so and so on a card, and that the speculator market, oh, yeah. and the, the collector market is crazy for that stuff right now. So that's cool. Who knows? Hmm. Well, that's uh, like I don't the like uh, that stuff be worth stuff. The X-Force One, fortunately, I was listening to another podcast the other day, but uh, it, it uh, Mr. Rob Lightfield was talking about the Deadpool card that was in X-Force One, that if he sold 5 million copies, that there would be a million of those that would be Deadpool, and that would be his first appearance of the cards that was with the Marvel Masterworks, so those are going for ridiculous prices right now that if you can find one and get it graded that, I mean, you're talking like a thousand dollars a card. Did you ever Which, collect any of those cards, Michael? Back oh in the yeah. Day? I was, yeah, I was really like the, like Seth said, the first couple series of like, I was like going down to people's news, buying a bunch of them. I, I lived with uh, three other guys out in Waverly and one of the guys was not a comic book guy or and he didn't collect anything but he's collected those just because i was collecting them and he wanted to find the things i needed and sell them to me overpriced <laughs> he did he did he found one of the foil cards or whatever i needed and he, and he was so proud of himself <laughs> yeah i I I remember as a kid, even I remember the movie cards. I remember the Batman '89 cards of the Star Wars. Star series. Wars cards. Oh, yeah, yeah, I had man. tons of those. Back yeah. In the day, yeah. Aren't those that, the ones with like the C three PO? Yeah, yeah, the original ones. Yeah, the top. It was a tops card that did that, but but they had you know they had um, different waves of of each movie. They had Star Wars. They had Empire. They had Return of the Jedi. I remember more the return of the jedi sets i remember the the wax packs with luke sky had luke's jedi knight luke skywalker on it with a yellow background red lettering like i you know i get it you could like, uh you could spend some of that stimulus tracking those down there i know i should Heck yeah so yeah deck it just, out down there just when everybody's buying cards i'm back into figures <laughs> You're playing the markets. When that's when what, figures yeah. go down, that's yeah, what you got. You got it right. You got it right. So yeah, that is that'll be May Heroes Reborn. There'll be a whole bunch of. There's one main series, and there's gonna be a whole yeah. bunch of one shots. You almost had me when you were like, you're like, there's this, and you get a card of that. Oh, maybe now you're like, yeah, there's a whole bunch of them. <laughs> what when you find out what the titles are, I'm kind of curious what the other ones are. Like what's as just everybody, uh, everything. Yeah, there's like a, uh, there's like a Magneto one with a cup where Magneto is leading the X Men. There's a Champions sort of book with some of the young heroes. So it's just it's it's kind of mix, again. It's like a it's a what if story. It's mixing everything up. You know, Age of Apocalypse sort of story where right. if one little Isn't change there... in the past changes everything in the future. 
there's one with Gwen, but she's like Gwen Hawk or something. Yeah, right. Nighthawk. <laughs> Nighthawk is supposed to be the like the Batman type character. Like on the cover, it has like a I think it's like a hawk hawk eating a bat to like say that we're better than Batman. <laughs> so yeah, if you don't know, the Squadron Supreme are kind of the, the analogs of the Justice League. Hyperion mm. is a Superman version. Nighthawk is Batman. So it's basically Marvel's Justice League. So this they'll be kind of at the forefront of this event. Hmm. That's interesting. We'll see. We'll see. All right. So just some of the current uh, hot books right now. Uh, Alien just relaunched at Marvel. Uh, so Disney now has all the Fox properties. Mm-hmm. So Marvel's putting out an Alien monthly, and uh, the Predator monthly will start uh, next month, I believe. Uh, Berserker, the Keanu Reeves co-written book, spelled B-R-Z-R-K-R. We, we, it's so it's berserk. So there's there's no time for vowels, even. We just Rad. It, it's so cool. It's already been picked up, I think, by Netflix as a movie and an anime series. I'm sure. But it was... Uh, Boom Studios. It's a 12-issue series. It's basically they just drew Keanu Reeves as the main character because mm-hmm. we know he's going to eventually play him. Just like but, Cyberpunk. Right. Now, did that start out as a, like a like a Kickstarter? Like Berserker? the first issue? Uh, it may have. Just... I'm sure there are a million different variant covers. And I've already seen some out there where people, you know, are buying them up and going crazy over it. And I was just like, okay. Yeah, Keanu's having a moment because Berserker came out, and then like a week later, there was a trade of the most recent Bill and Ted comic, and then I got a Cyberpunk 2077 comic. So like, my shelves hmm. are full of Keanu Reeves books, and that's that's strange. Like, you're allowed to have like most actors have a second coming where they fade away and yeah, they come yeah. back, but this is like his third round. So he he's an immortal soldier. So the first issue is basically just all action. He's the guy you send in who can get his limbs blown off and and get riddled with bullets and he won't die. So it's very uh, bloody uh, war story, and it's basically you kind of flash back to you know when when he first realized he could do this and he wants out of this this life of being a being a living weapon basically. So this is what if uh, Keanu Reeves was Wolverine. Pretty much. A lot of people think he's immortal anyway because he doesn't seem to age, so let's just hmm. go in that direction. Uh, Marvel launched their Star Wars High Republic tie-ins. So this is their big push, all the, the, the bunch of new novels and, and different things set in this new era hundreds of years ago that we haven't explored before in any of the expanded universe. Basically, Yoda is the only one person we've heard of us back then because he's like he 700 years old in the timeline they're doing now. Yeah, so he's not baby Yoda, but he's not right. old. He's not old grizzled Yoda either. He's somewhere in the <laughs> middle Yoda. Right, he's middle Yoda. I, we can <laughs> we're, we're workshopping that. <laughs> we'll come back. Middle aged Yoda. Oh. <laughs> uh. Uh, for Marvel, uh, Daredevil 25 was a hot issue. Elektra took over as Daredevil. So Matt, Matt accidentally killed a guy several issues ago. Got Marvin in the face. 
he pretty much did. Like <laughs> he didn't pull his punch and accidentally kill the guy. And being the good Catholic that he is, being the law-abiding citizen that he is, he went he went up to trial and pled his case and went to jail for it. So Electra took over in a kind this of a modified a, daredevil. Is suit. this the Zdarsky run or what is this? Yes, yes. It's been pretty good, but yeah, the Electra thing was a surprise. So the day it came out, it was it was a really hot item and everyone was looking for it. But the story's been good enough to back it up. I like the the I've just seen the cover images, but the the costume that I don't know if that's what she is in the book, but it looks yeah. pretty decent. Yeah, it's a it's a neat look. And one of the the weirdest, but this came out a while ago. I've been wanting to talk about this. Solid Blood number seventeen. Does anyone remember Solid this? Solid Blood. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you mean blood? No, so, I don't know what this is. What are you talking about? This is an image comic from Robert Kirkman and Ryan Otley, the team behind Invincible. And it was just solic- it wasn't in the catalog. It wasn't solicited. It wasn't advertised. It just showed up at comic stores. And That's like so a, Kirkman. Yeah, it's very Kirkman. But he went a little he went a little further on it. Um so he like a week before it came out, he he made a YouTube video where he's like, guys, something the weirdest thing just happened. Image contacted me, the warehouse, and so they found this pallet of books, and I don't remember making them. So the idea was we had a Bernstein Bear effect. Oh yeah. And these this book that doesn't exist in our dimension showed up. So some alternate dimension Robert Kirkman has been writing solid blood for image. And the idea oh, like, uh the century off from Marvel. A little bit. A little yeah. kind of a new age yeah. version of that. Yeah. So when you get it, you look in the letters column. And the idea was basically this is the what if Walking Dead hadn't blown up. Mm. Because he said in the letters column, he's talking about, oh, that book had potential. Sad to see it go. Like it made it to issue 12 or whatever. And then it was canceled. So he's very excited about this new book, Solid Blood. It's going to be his first series to ever make it to issue 25. And he's really happy for the fan support and all this stuff. So... Again, it was just a fun gimmick. It was a surprise, you know, the way he released that Negan book to comic shops. It was it was free. It was just a kind of a promotion to help comic shops make a little extra money during this this weird year. But uh, there was even a, a thing in the letters column. He called it. Uh, somebody wrote in asking something weird, and he said that sounds a lot like a lot like the Castro effect, where we all have memories of Fidel Castro being prime minister into the 2000s, even though we all know he was assassinated in 1981. So that's that his dimensions version of the Mandela mm-hmm. effect. So mm-hmm. it was just a fun little Ronald puzzle. Yeah, pretty well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just a, a fun a fun little release. The comic books could use more fun like that, I think. And now this is how many issues of that have come out? Just one. They're they're never they won't I don't think there's any plans for anymore. So. Oh, I thought he was predicting 25 issues there, but <laughs> you got to go to the other dimension first. Oh. But mm. there were ads for Ryan Otley's book, a book that doesn't exist from him on the back cover, and like right, of course, some house ads. Thing, yeah. And yeah, it was it was a whole production. Everybody but... loves the alternate universe. Yeah, yeah. I, I have questions that, like that similar to this since it's image. 
with uh, the crossover book that's being published right now, like the, I think it was issue four, it had all these ads for other books, but I couldn't tell, like they were related to the story. So are those actual books coming out or no. is that just fake ads? No, I think a lot of those are all the other books Donnie Cates writes. And that seems to be what crossover is of like the Donnie Cates all-star jam where like all his past books characters are showing up which doesn't interest me very much but maybe that's not what it is still but to to begin with that's all it has been i mean just to mind like there was the guy that was kind of he-man conan type character with the big sword yeah yeah that's uh yeah that's definitely a thing is yeah that series started out Good first couple issues, and then I'm, I mean, I've still read them, but just waiting for something. I, st- I still can't figure out if I like the book or not. Yeah, I'm, I didn't like the last issue that well. I think like issue six, I think, is the end of the first story arc, so I'm, I'm giving it till six. Yeah, okay, okay, keep me till then. We'll see what happens. I, I think the biggest problem with it was that the hype was too big for this book, so you're expecting all these like shocks and surprises and it's yeah. not living up to that hype. Especially if it is just Donny Kate's ego. I'm like, my fans will love this. All my other old characters. Like I've never yeah, read any of those books. Exactly. I don't know. Well, I mean, it was a shock that it had Mike Allred's madman character True. in there. True. But I mean, when's the last time you've seen that character? Never. And we had all four issues of the Kaiju score released from Aftershock. I bought them. From our pal James Patrick, area writer extraordinaire. Not nearly as controversial as the Hero Hourly trade (laughs) that claims there was a third issue that I looked for for years and never came out. Only had the first two issues ever came out and then released the trade of all three issues, so... Again, that's from another dimension. It just showed up in the that's warehouse. That's what I'm chalking it up to. We don't know where that third issue. We don't know what dimension that third issue. It is. came according to my CLZ Comics app. It came out in 2016 <laughs> in some alternate dimension, and I don't know what's happening. But I finally got to read it, and it was good. I think the uh, the third issue was all digital, and there was only <laughs> I, one copy that you had to phys- You had to buy. Yeah. Through on you, one you guy had to go through, you had to go oh. through the wormhole and yeah. stop at Dimension X. She was there, yeah. and now yeah. that at least there's a little worth to that NFT. If you actually have the only the only digital version of it, nobody else can even read it. Now we're talking. Now okay, we're you're talking. giving me an idea. Yeah. I, I like the, what you're saying. Wu Tang Clan did that once. They released an album and only sold one copy. Wow. Hey, I from what I understand that James might have a little beef with uh, Mr. Zack Snyder over the new movie that's coming out through Netflix where there's a robbery during the um, Dead Uprising. Oh. It's hmm. basically the, the, the similar plot. Store. Yeah. Very similar. So yeah, the plot of this is it's a crime story, you know, the perfect heist, and we're gonna do it as a, a giant Godzilla type monster makes landfall while everyone else is distracted. We're gonna steal this crazy thing, and of course everything goes wrong, and 
uh, it's in production from Sony Pictures. They're having meetings and, and making deals. So it was a quality uh, deal. I enjoyed it. It's good. Good stuff. I'm I'm a fan. Oh. That's a lot of stuff we just did. We're not done. Man. We're not done. I want, I want to talk about something. And it's perfect for this two hours into an episode. Is it, I've been watching is it the com- clock. I've been watching the clock. I skipped some stuff. So No, this isn't important. I'm not, I didn't hurt my feelings. This is where I want. Can, can I interrupt for just a second? Yeah, go for it. Why not? I am super excited about this. So I just want to point it out so it can go on record before even the first issue comes out. I have all the art done for Infected Kid number one, and I almost have all the art done for Infected Kid number two. So I just want to put that on record before it hits the fan. Don't gonna, don't sell don't sell the originals till you get them printed. Yeah, you're gonna have to. Yeah, I was gonna say you're gonna have to sell them digitally because you don't have the printer anymore. I have I have my way. Christie's online auction house. <laughs> it's with K. Yeah, exactly. that would be a pretty baller movie. Like you know, I, I had some art at Christie's auction. Mm. No, no big deal. <laughs> they colored them for me too. Yeah, that's sweet. Okay, I want to talk about something real quick. It's so basic. Like you guys are gonna be like, yeah, yeah, we all know this stuff already. But I want to. I'm I'm coming as a new perspective on some old comics. I start I start buying some Omnis, and I'm I, you know, much like the GI Joe Transformers debate. There's kind of an X Men uh, Avengers thing. You know, it's like I grew up on the Avengers, but. I've read some X-Men, but I never like actually just had an opportunity to read the whole series. I've read a trade here or there, but you know, back in the day you couldn't just get it by a trade. And, and now it's like, there's these Omnis are such a great opportunity to read these stories in perfect condition, not, not faded old back issues and, or, or, you know, uh, what are those essential collections in black and white and all that junk and, it's like, for us artist people right coloring books i mean and uh so anyway i decided i'm gonna i'm gonna read as much x-men as i can stomach and see you see just start basically at the beginning and see what the hell kind of like is. the jack kirby no i'm skipping that because it's hard Are to get those omnis Right now, so are you going to like the Neil Adams era? I'm, I'm starting with no, Pat, I'm starting with Giant Size 1975. Okay. So, this basically when Claremont starts. Okay, I read about. a bunch, like, I, I read the, the Spider Man omnibus, the original stuff, the Fantastic Four. I'm like, this stuff is so great. I want to read all this old stuff. And then, like, Daredevil, Hulk, some of the, the books are not that good. Well, they, they haven't. We, they haven't. They they don't match the the thing. Right. So yeah, the, I think the X Men were never the X Men were at the bottom of the pile even yeah. back then. Yeah. So they definitely haven't aged well. So yeah, that's that's a fine jumping on point for that. Yeah, because Golden Age is unreadable, almost unreadable. I have a Golden Age cap on me. The first ten issues of like you know the '40s stuff. Mm. This is like crazy old, and it, and it's 
it's almost I mean, it's, it's some of it's better than you think it's going to be but it's not it's not inter- that entertaining and it's and even silver age is not is not it's it's kind of rough to read you know we're bronze age people we grew, grew up on bronze and modern and uh even it the beginning of it you know is a little dry and but i was like i'm just gonna start with giant size i can buy it you know so i got it and started reading and i thought i would just kind of recap uh the first you know a few issues here what happened in that era and maybe uh, i might go along occasionally at the end of an episode tell you some more stuff i read but just i was surprised by how much i did like like it and I mean, it's the X-Men. It's good. I'd li- I've, I've liked over the years what I had already read, and I know where the story goes here and there, you know, but just the X-Men, you know, was such a new concept. It, they did... Stan just got sick of creating origin stories, basically, and said, oh, they're just born like this, and then it fit right in with the, you know, the, the times of uh civil rights that were going on and so okay well they can also be the oppressed and the unlike the heroes for for the people that still hate them anyway and had a uh, professor x is basically the martin luther king and magneto's the malcolm x and you know all that storyline going on well when you start with giant size x-men and they bring in all these new characters it you know this is the new team and that the whole story is basically that the old team's lost on this Island Cyclops shows up and he's like, I, you know, we went there and I got all my power sucked out of me and they sent me back. And, you know, so professor X had got a whole new team of uh, Wolverine and Colossus nightcrawler storm. And the art is so good. Go on. Now, do you, do you know why they they started the giant like the new x-men like the reasoning behind that well i know that they no one was buying it they sold like they did like 60 some issues in the 60s and 66 issues i think and then it just it was stuff failing horribly so for the next 30 issues were just reprints and then they got an idea to just come out with new characters that were more diverse and well, I, I was i was listening it's funny because i mean this was a, not too long ago i was listening and they were talking about how successful their reprints were doing overseas in other countries and so that's what made them think of doing more global type characters and what led to the new x-men and uh they were talking about how originally colossus was supposed to be the superstar and it it obviously unfortunately like navigated more to wolverine where dave cochran his favorite was nightcrawler yeah it's funny i would never have guessed that they were trying to make colossus the star because he's he's kind of the least covered character in these early issues but yeah they went we're all over the world you know trying to be diverse and have that worldwide representation like you're saying if they were selling all these issues overseas and stuff that well, you know, Nightcrawler, Germany, Colossus, Russian, Wolverine, Canadian, Storm, Kenya, you know, you know my dad would say, and Obama, and then Sunfire, Nigeria. Sun, yeah, Sunfire from Japan, and uh, 
Banshee was returning uh, from Ireland, and Thunderbird was the Native American Apache superhuman. So are you saying this is like some sort of political force diversity that the company was shoving down our throats? Right. Okay. (laughs) A large company figured out they can make money off of? It was just, it was just so, I'm sure it was a shocking thing at the time to have all this diversity and people like really embraced it. And and it did it, it did it the right way, right way. That's the wrong way to say it, but Mm. it did it, (laughs) it it did it naturally where it just, he said, well, we want Colossus to be the star. They didn't just give him his own series and like, you love Colossus. They just introduced them all and let the fans decide. Oh, you got you think Wolverine's the coolest? Okay, well then he starts getting more of the spotlight. So it was very natural progression for all these characters to become the big stars they are. Yeah. Oh, you don't care about Banshee? Let's sideline him a little bit. (laughs) Exactly. Even though I do like Banshee, I didn't know much about him until reading this, and that he's so likable. You know, he's like the nicest guy on the team. (laughs) But they, what was cool was in that first issue, they go, they're going to save the X Men. They go to Krakoa. And you find out, you know, it's a long time known that's that let the island end up being a mutant, but it, it's absorbing their powers and it sent it sent Scott away to go collect these new X-Men and bring them there to bring even more power. And it was such a great uh metaphor for at the time the Vietnam War ending. And you know, if you could think of a faraway land that was sucking the youth out out of our country and just asking us to keep sending more and it was just very awesomely told story and they uh they save the save them of course get get out of there and uh um at the end of that giant size issue they're like okay now we got 13 x-men what what are we going to do with all these x-men but basically they are a bunch of them leave and you end up with the with the new ones there's all all that classic stuff you get the danger room uh, you know the that you get uh thunderbird yep. dies go what i was just gonna say that was always my favorite of like watching the x-men in the danger room like before they had like the star trek hollow that like just like all these <laughs> machines popping up and firing at them and i mean i always loved what like it's such that a was cool one of concept. my favorite parts I mean, yeah. Whenever, whenever I would read a random X Men issue back in the day, I was like, "That was like that is so cool." Why don't the Avengers have a danger room? You know, that's they got a butler. Right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, they had a He's gym. He's dusting the doilies. Come on, they have a gym. I mean, but they didn't have a danger room. You know, what other comic that they're trying to kill them in the training room? Yeah, and then in one of those early issues, there that Thunderbird dies. He's like, like overzealous trying to prove himself and cocky and he dies like Bucky style on a count nefarious plane. And I mean, he's still dead. Like that character's dead. And it was a big thing. Like one of the next issue, I think, or after that, uh, Cyclops is like walking around just dreading, you know, stressed about it. And the captions, it was the coolest thing. Like the way Claremont wrote it, like the voice in the captions, you're expecting narration and you're kind of getting that, but it's like mocking him the whole time about like, what did you do? You know, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it was just like a very surprising way to write it. And I, I wish people would use captions more, uh, you know, 
interestingly than just captioning. No, does, does the omnibus have the letters columns printed? Yeah, that's one of the greatest things. Because you, you'd be able to follow along what people are asking for and how right. shocked they were at stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, they hated Wolverine immediately. <laughs> and, then, and then they, like you said, they fall in love with him uh, very shortly after that. It's a it's very interesting to hear their feedback and how they, uh, what they did about it. And it also like Claremont was so good at just nesting things in some of these early issues that pay off over time as you, as you go. But I was just going to cover what the one more real. Cause he was on the book till 1991. Right. Yeah. So like, yeah. Uh, 25 plus years of. You can thank uh, Jim Lee for that. Mm-hmm. For his exodus. But they, uh, I was just going to cover here, like the ne- the ma- first big storyline you get is the Phoenix saga and um, the beginning of that. Like they're out on the town. It's a, it's like Christmas. I think they're, are they shopping? Yeah, they're, shopping they're, they're shopping at Rockefeller Center and it, it's a Jean had come back cause she, st- she had been dating Scott, you know, still, but she wasn't on it- the team. Is John Byrne drawing this or Dave Cockrum? It's still Cockrum, and he's great. Okay. Great. Yeah, he I, is. I, I, Very I simple, it. like, clean style. Oh, I'm pretty sure it was still him on that that stuff. And the Sentinels attack, you know, and they capture the, you know, Gene and Wolverine and Banshee and go, Professor, prof, oddly, Professor X was fishing, and they also went and got him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, uh, the, you know, there, you know, Dr. Dr. Stephen Lang's the robot maker guy, and his, you know, it's all just about killing mutants. But so they track the guy to this space station. I'm sure you guys have seen the story many times, but I didn't remember know all the details or whatever. And so they have this friend, Dr. Corbeau, who takes them onto a Star Core Lab space shuttle, and they catch a ride with him, and they have to kind of crash land the space shuttle into the station. Yada yada, big fight. They save the others. Dr. Lang, the bad guy, crashes in the wall and dies. And so they need to return to Earth. And this is where, you know, the because they crash landed, the ship's damaged the shuttle. And the only way to get back to Earth, you know, the pilot now can't pilot it because he'll die from the radiation. And they were going so they're all going to get in this like life pod inside it to be safe. But somebody's got to pilot it. And so Jean uses her telepathy and gets the information out of pilot, you know, the shuttle from the pilot. And then she is going to do it herself. And Scott's losing it. I mean, yeah, all I can hear is that 90s cartoon voice of Scott. Jean! <laughs> like every episode he yelled, Jean! Yeah, I can't wait to get through all this stuff and then go watch that cartoon because I, I, I didn't, didn't even watch it that much back then, back in the day. But the... Uh, First, I want to say one thing about the X-Men is I am so about the relationships and any kind of story like this. Like whenever the Avengers, when I first started reading the Avengers, it was at a time when they did a lot of that stuff. It was like, oh, Janet, she's dating Tony, but she doesn't know he's Iron Man and Hank's this and da, da, da. And, it, and the X-Men is all that, like all the time. So I eat that shit up. Like and I had, had a huge, comparatively huge female audience as well. Yeah. Who liked the relationship drama and the, 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 
Right. Soap opera. You know, yeah, yeah, all comics are soap opera, but the X-Men was especially that. Right. And they, I've heard a lot over the years, they always gave Claremont crap for that because he would be just as happy to write an issue of them just walking around talking about that kind of stuff. And I would love that. Like, that's, I'm looking forward to reading all that kind of stuff. But they, you know, she's, she's flying the ship back down and using her telepathy to like fight off the radiation and all this. But, and everyone's worried about her. They kind of say little goodbyes just in case. And then it fast forwards like the next issue is this is 101. You know, she bursts out of the water after they land. And you're like, that's the story you got at that time. So I want to, I want to stop there for a second and show you my favorite omnibus I have is X-Men Classic. I did not understand what this was in the day back in the day. And I bought this. It is the director's cut. It is the it is everything you want. Uh, and I want to compare it to this Marvel stuff that we've just been watching. Like you watch all these movies, and then now we're getting something like we got something like WandaVision, where Feige and these people can go back and you know, they're they're creating these movies and they're finding the voices of these characters and then and telling their stories, but then they take these that TV series and go back and make something like Age of Ultron great, make something like, uh, you know, to fixing things to fill in gaps and holes and make th things make more sense. Now that you know, change things about the characters that you that didn't make sense right at the beginning, and that's what Claremont did with this X Men Classic series that it reprinted issues because one, like I said before, you couldn't get trades really to read them and people wanted to read those old issues they couldn't find in the the bin i remember and, when those were on the newsstand like i would buy those issues because they would have like an updated cover but it would have a reprint in it yeah these arthur adams did the covers and i so i bought this and i read an issue of this and then because it's those issues aren't in this in the in the x-men classic it's just the panels that were changed. It shows you the before and after, and it and then it has the backup story, and it's great. I can read the issue. Go over here, see what they fixed. Like they might fix where Storm quit using contractions. They went back and fixed. She has to talk more regally. You know, I did not. Uh, you know, just those kind of things that um, they put more relationship stuff in show they showed uh gene living with misty knight and aurora coming and going shopping with her and just a lot of relationships gave some context to why thunderbird was acting the way he was acting before he died they had his funeral and these backup stories that you know they had like the date that gene went on with scott where she's wearing the puts on the dress that she's wearing in the phoenix saga you know I mean, it's just all these great touches. It's just a director's cut. And if you were ever going to reread this stuff, you have to read that stuff because he's like went back and where the later issues of his run, he's found their voice. He's doing this stuff already, but now he's gets to go back and fix his early run and make it feel less silver age and more bronze age. Back yeah, to fit. Those on. those backup stories in the the classics are like those are fan favorites. Every critics 
critically acclaimed, recognized as like, wow, this was ahead of its time and blew me away a lot of it. Like there's a stuff uh, a scene where they go to a Wolverine and Nightcrawler go to a bar in this town of people and whatever, and he's got uh, Nightcrawler's got a thing, an image changer, so he doesn't look like himself. And they kind of have like a little bet and or whatever, and Wolverine bets him something, and if he wins, you know, he has to go out looking like himself and accepting himself or whatever. So, you know, Nightcrawler loses and then goes out looking like himself. The town kind of reacts to him or whatever, and he's explaining to somebody, you know, how he. So, so talking to somebody about star wars he says i i have a friend like like uh i have a, fr- a relationship kind of like han and chewie and sometimes i let the wookie win too <laughs> you know and it but it's just like it, they're great stories but yeah like th- like that right there that, like that's something i miss is the wolverine nightcrawler connection that you don't see I mean, I can't remember the last time I saw it in comics. Like, they had, like, the good buddy team up where they're always, like, kind of ribbing each other, having a good they time. All, they all, in, individually, those all all of them have a different relationship with each other character that really stand out in this book. But there's, a, anyway, the point, well, the build-up to that was there is a part that fills in the blanks between, you know, of her flying the ship back. And it's so good. You know, you see what, you know, she's doing good for a while, but then like the radiation is overpowering her. She's losing her hair. Her body's desiccated from radiation. She's hemorrhaging or cellular bonds are dissolving. It, it talks about like if she, if it wasn't, if she wasn't weightless, her heart would burst or her bones would crumble to powder. And she's, she doesn't care. Cause she's just trying to save her friends, but she like knows she's not going to make it and they're going to die. and she yells out for help and that's when the phoenix answers and you know says bond your humanity to me and i'll save you and she's like i dance with the devil himself and she's like you may yet and it just sets up (laughs) the future of that where in the original you just get her to burst out of the water and you don't see any of that just like so it blew me away and i'm loving this reread of the x-men so if i feel like I find some exciting stuff to tell you as I get further into it. I will, but I wanted to let people know how I, how I was doing it and how much satisfaction I was getting out of it. That's it. Now we're probably two hours. Into this yeah. <laughs> but Hey, it's comic books. We all love comic books. We hope you do too. There's so much out there. Make time for the comics as well. It's the TV stuff is overwhelming. There's a new movie every week, but, Comics will never leave you. If you think the books are friend. well, if you think the books are good, wait till you read the comics. That's a two-hour end quote for the masses. There. <laughs> <laughs> As always, I'm the illustrious As Michael always, K. Easton. Wow. Thanks for listening. My name is Jordan Lowe. Cliff Barnes. Kapow! The Pop Cultured Podcast is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Sounds, music, and clips played during the podcast are property of copyright holders. All original content is property of www.udamwithkpp.com.
If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a comment. Kapow, the Pop Cultured Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, and wherever podcasts can be found. You can connect with us through social media on Facebook, YouTube, at the Kapow Podcast on Twitter, or email the show, Kapow, the Pop Cultured Podcast at gmail.com. If you really want to go the extra mile, please sign up to be a patron through the Podbean app or our website, www.udownwithkpp.com, to receive special content and early access to some episodes. We are grateful to anyone that chooses to contribute, but please know that most of our content will always remain free, so please continue to like, comment, and share.